big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. This is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we're going to be talking all about learning and growing. And that is both for ourselves as parents and for our children, whether they're babies or children or tweens or teens or young adults. And there's so many places that we want to go with this today. It's such a, again, juicy topic. I think we often say that, but I'm really excited to be talking about this today. And I I love what we often do when we're thinking of topics for our podcast is I think taking uh, clues from what's happening in our own lives as well. And this, this topic has been very relevant to both of us in the last month or two about doing new things that feel often scary about stepping out of our comfort zone, about taking risks, about um, all the stories that we have imprinted within often about it's safer to, to, to stay small than it is to step out of your comfort zone, try new things and how often we expect our children to do that. And yet we often don't as parents so it's something we, we definitely wanted to work through didn't we both because we both had quite a bit of listening time with each other as we were moving through these big things in the last month we were ringing each other going oh god I'm feeling really terrified <laughs> doing this and, and you're like I'm feeling really scared about this and, and it was really powerful to not only just share with each other but really sit in our own fear of what it feels like to expand and to learn new things mm. Yes. So yours was a TED talk and mine was the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Yes. (laughs) Equally, equally powerful experience. (laughs) Who wants to go first? Mm, You go first. I'd love you for you to share about what happened for you at the dentist because I think a lot of people will absolutely uh, relate to this, whether it's about the dentist or something else. I think it was really powerful, your process and, and what happened for you. Because mm, I remember in quite a few months ago, we talked about this and I talked about having big trauma as a younger person around the dentist and you, you offered to come with me, which was so wonderful. Um, so I've been about five times now and I've been uh, using everything I know, not only about aware parenting, but from my own practices that I've developed, my inner loving mother's been there, all my inner loving crew, and I've been doing loads of willingness work. Again, if you're familiar with my work, you know all about that. And uh, I think was it after the first time I phoned you up, I was so, so, so happy and delighted. And I don't usually have the whole proud of thing. It's not usually a part of my uh, lexicon. But afterwards, uh, the younger parts of me were, were like, they, they, they um, had this sense of, of um, me being so proud of these little parts of me for, for going through this. And through doing all this work and, and crying, I've been, I even cried at one time afterwards with the, with the dentist. I found this amazing dentist. And after one of them, I just burst into tears and he just gave me the biggest hug and I just cried and sobbed. And, you know, the interesting thing for me is uh, the dentist has been so much around uh, opening. I, I used to have a really core belief around if I open my mouth, I'll get hurt. And that was both from an original dentist experience as a child where um, um, 
warning of something unenjoyable I'm about to share where the, the dentist hit me when I was crying and a lot of themes that I've had in my life around if I if I open my mouth and speak that I'll get hurt which I've been working on for years and working through and moving um, moving out of on the other side and of course this podcast being being part of um, you know the things that I can do now that I would never have been able to do so I, I often see as well that learning journey that we that we keep growing and learning and step by step by step we're able to do things that we couldn't do before so for me now the dentist the before I was terrified even thinking about phoning up and making the appointment and from all the inner work I've done and all the reparative experiences I've had around getting to have choice and autonomy and getting to do inner healing work and getting to cry with the dentist all of this stuff is each time there's less and less fear there and I feel more and more comfortable and I just think that's the beauty of any learning and growing process is that if we have support and have talked to you many times and cried with you and shared with you if we have someone who can listen to us and can love us unconditionally whether we're scared or terrified or confident or whatever it is that we can do amazing things that we never thought were possible and you know that beautifulness of the of the human spirit and to remember that our children are constantly learning if you think about a baby <laughs> the amount that they learn in a year in that first year and that they are constantly on that learning edge and i think often as you said at the beginning we forget what that's like and how important it can be to to um, put ourselves in positions where we are on those learning edges and we are learning and growing because it helps us have more compassionate understanding for what's required and what we need to to support ourselves and be supported so that we can offer that to our children when they're on their next learning edge oh, a big yes to all of that <laughs> I, I have to start by saying Oh my God, your dentist just sounds like the most extraordinary human. Can you imagine how many people, just what an impact that would be if medical people or dentists or anywhere where we feel a sense sometimes of invasion in our body had the capacity to listen to feelings or to connect with you or to offer you a hug. Like, oh my God, we would just see trauma drop massively exactly. because of that what an extraordinary person that's amazing so so amazing I mean even listening to your story Marion I think a lot about um just really honoring your process and your willingness to do that work even as an adult like we just so many of us still have those fears that sit there that we don't lean into and yet again, I come back to we often expect children to be able to just do it. And, you know, we've had all these years of, well, maybe too many years of conditioning that keep us stuck in this in the scary stuff. But we often have these unrealistic expectations that our kids should just get on with it and do it. And, and you know, many experiences where I've had my, with my kids sometimes when they haven't, you know, they have to go to the dentist. I remember one time my daughter was doing some private swimming lessons and she'd had a pretty yuck experience when she was a bit younger around swimming lessons. So it wasn't something that she was really confident around. And I said, well, what could help you feel better? And she said, just if I have one teacher and one teacher who's really nice and, and one teacher that will um, be really kind to me. So I did a lot of research to go, I need to find a teacher who's just going to meet her emotionally with connection. And so I found the teacher and I was like, we're going to, you know, we give this a go. And so we, on the way driving to this swimming lesson, 
my daughter's in the car going, I don't really want to do this and I'm really scared. And what if she's not nice? And what if she tries to make me swim to the other end of the pool and I can't breathe properly? And, and just all the fears come tumbling out of it. And I watched myself in the beginning start to go into, you don't have to be scared. It's fine. She's really nice. Like we've met her before. I just, I watched myself for a good 30 seconds go into the justification because I could feel in my body, I was like, oh, shit like you know come on just i've been trying really hard to help this happen and you got it you know like i was watching my own stuff and then i just stopped and just went my god you feel really scared yeah gosh what else tell me what else you feel scared about and i re- it was a really pivotal moment in and and you know i've done a lot of listening and i have a lot of awareness i guess around this but i watched myself even as a knee jerk reaction want to move into the fixing or to minimizing what her fear was And then I just stopped and listened and the whole car ride, she just got to complain and be uncomfortable and I don't want to do it. And I just was like, yes, I hear you and I'm with you and what else. And by the time we got into the car park, got out of the car, she literally ran into the pool, (laughs) just ran into the center and jumped into the pool. I was like, wow, that was amazing because there was the space to actually listen and the space for her to be heard and work through all of the stuff. And I think so often because of our own uncomfortableness as parents of seeing our children feel uncomfortable, we move into fixing pretty quickly. We move into the justification of why they don't have to be scared or why it'll be different this time instead of actually just sitting in the place of, I hear you, you feel really scared and uh, I get it. And, and all those spaces that allow the kids to process and feel what they're feeling in those moments. It's such a beautiful reminder, such a beautiful reminder. And, and I come back again to as an adult, you know, like the times you rang me, Marion, and, and you were like, I'm feeling scared about going to the dentist. And if I had have responded with, it'll be fine, Marion, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. It's just like half an hour. You'll be right. Just breathe through your nose. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure you would have left that conversation feeling really unheard and just like, what? You know, what I really want is to be able to be vulnerable and, and have someone hear me. And um, you're an adult and you could also say, Leo, that's not helpful for me. I really need you to just listen to me. Whereas often our kids don't have that ability sometimes or feel safe enough to say, actually, what I need from you in this moment is to, to be safe and to, to just listen. So it's such a beautiful reminder of, you know, that I often say in my workshops of saying less and learning to listen more. I love mm. that. As you were speaking, I was remembering one time my son was going to be going away on a boys and dads camp. And for about a week beforehand, he kept telling me, I really don't want to go. So I remember so many, literally hours we spent on the hammock and he just kept telling me why, why you didn't want to go. And I kept saying, I really hear you. And tell me all the reasons why you don't want to go. What are you, you know, what are you concerned about? And, and he just shared and told me all the things and we spent a lot of time in that hammock and literally it's so similar we got to the day and he's like yep and he got his you know backpack and got the things packed and totally happy to go so again it's the that power isn't it of just simply hearing often I mean there are other things too and the things that we can do as well but often simply hearing the fear and just letting it be spoken and be expressed and of course with younger children with aware parenting there are there are things that we can help them with around laughter and play and crying and all of those other ways of releasing and healing from fear Mm -hmm. there's a simplicity isn't it of the of the listening rather than Mm -hmm. the um run the the she'll be right yeah thing I think I loved how you mentioned earlier that, you know, babies are learning new things every day. Like our kids, like they are constantly. And I think our 
society is constantly asking kids to stretch and grow and try new things. I think about what schooling is, which we've had quite a few conversations on our podcast around schooling. And I guess where sometimes we feel it lets children down, but around asking them to take risks, to try new things, often in environments that don't feel safe for children to do that. And yet there's this expectation that they have to, and that, that can feel massive as well. And I think, you know, we, we often talk about that with little kids coming home from um ding ding. Sorry, was a ding. <laughs> I was trust the ding dings that they like. Yes. yes. <laughs> um our little kids coming home from school or kindergarten when they're little and and having a lot of big feelings from the day and challenging and out of the comfort zone and they don't have that uh, support to feel into what feels scary around it. You know, there's a big thing in our schooling system at the moment on be a risk taker, like, you know, being a taking risks and, um, you know, having this growth mindset of you've got to jump in there and do it. But my issue with that is we're expecting kids to often do that, but it is not often a safe environment for them to take those risks or to expand and have this ability to think, okay, if I didn't get it right, then what else is possible? Because we're still stuck in this paradigm of behaviorism a lot of the time. So it doesn't feel safe for kids to take those risks and do that. And I think that's where I come back to, we have to model what it looks like to take risks, to step out of our comfort zone, to do stuff that's scary and let our kids see that so that they know us as humans as well. We find that challenging as well. And that's just a normal part of expansion and growth sometimes that we're going to feel scared and, and that we have feelings around stuff and, and that they witness that from a very young age to know that, yes, it, it can feel scary, but it can also be extraordinary to actually do it which kind of is my little segue into my TED talk because, because, um, Lael, tell us about your TED talk. (laughs) It was one of the scariest things I've done. And I have done a lot of scary stuff in my life. I am, I, I never back down from opportunities. It's rare. If I see something, I usually just jump in and go, let's give it a go. Let's see what works. You know, I, I'm a big believer in just okay, that sounds good. Let's give it a go. And the worst thing can happen is whatever. We've already won because we've given it a go. So I'm not, um, you know, it's not uncommon for me to try new things or put myself out there. But this TEDx talk was, there felt just an intense pressure that went with it. That felt, um, you know, there's a possibility that it could be spread all around the world. It's a 12 minute talk. You have to rehearse it and rehearse it because it's, you don't get a second go at it. It's filmed, it's scripted. It's, it's an opportunity for you to spread your bright idea around what you think. Um, and you know, I've done a lot of public speaking and teach a lot of workshops, standing in front of people doesn't usually freak me out at all, but this felt big, the, the morphic field of the TEDx talk felt really huge. Mm. So the lead up to it, I was pretty messy. I was very, um, I rang you quite a few times. I, my husband just so beautifully just watched me from afar kind of melt down and then build myself back up again and practice more. And, you know, my kids would be like, how are you feeling mum? And I'm like really nervous. And I just really made a point of showing them 
how I felt through this process, which was that I kept saying, I feel scared. I feel really scared and I feel scared I might stuff it up. I feel scared that the audience isn't going to get it. I feel scared that it's not a good idea. I don't think I've got anything to say. And and I openly talked about all my fears with them around it. And they they would listen and they'd be like, yeah, but you're, you know, you'll do so good, mum. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know I'll do my best on the day, but I think it was really important to model the fear I felt around doing something new because we often say to our kids, you know, jump in, take a risk, give it a go, whether that's learning um, an instrument for the first time or going to a new dance class or doing something that's new. We often expect our kids to do that. So they watched the whole build-up process. And on the day of my talk, I was talking later in the afternoon. So I had a whole day at home just to completely feel all the fear. Uh, and they were all around and, you know, they were all so supportive of me. But I was, you know, I was in my stuff and, you know, I had to do a lot of shaking. There was a little bit of tears. There was a lot of like walking around my house going, Jesus, why did I say I was going to do this? So all the normal kind of fear things. And um, when we got to the event, about half an hour before the talk, I was sitting there with my husband who was just beautiful he was just this really calm centered space and he kept saying to me all day what do you need from me I'll do whatever you need you know and I was like I just need you to be really anchored and just let me talk and say whatever I need and he's like yep so he just listened and about half an hour before I was about to go on I um I looked at him and I was like if I could run away run away right now I so would and he's like well you can and I go no I can't like of course I can but I'm like no I'm gonna do it and then I just said to him, God, it actually on some levels is so much easier to stay small than to expand and step out of your comfort zone. Although staying small can have a lot of pain with it as well. But gosh, I realize why we don't do this because it's, it's challenging and it's painful and, um, and it's scary. It's really scary. And so anyway, I go in and do the talk and I had all these beautiful, my family there and my kids were there and friends and the audience was so welcoming. Like I just walked in and went, oh, and, um, and so then I did my talk um, at the end, you know, all my kind of crew or people all stood up, <laughs> which was really lovely and cheered and clapped for me and everything. And, um, you know, it was beautiful. And then I went and sat down I sat next to my cousin and I'm like, I felt like the 12 minutes went so quickly. I go, did I say this bit? And she goes, yeah. And I go, did I say that bit? And she goes, yeah. So even though I'd scripted it and I'd practiced it, I, I just couldn't even remember it went through in a blur. Anyway, I think one of the most powerful parts of um, after the talk, my son who was there, he and his girlfriend were watching and they had to go um, to soccer training. So they had to leave straight away. And about five minutes after the talk, I get a text message from my son saying, Mum, I've never been so proud of you um, than I am right now. You stood on that stage and you spoke about what you believe in and you completely smashed it and you inspire me and I think you're the most incredible woman. So I'm like sitting in the audience reading that, like just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Even if it's a shit talk, it doesn't matter because look what just happened. And then my kids, you know, my, my daughters were there and they were hugging me and my, you know, they're like, mum, we are so proud of you. And I know that was so scary and you did it. And then we all went out and celebrated and, you know, regardless of whatever happens with the talk or whatever it is, you know, people do scary things all the time. It was the fact, I think that I, I, sh I don't know, I wanted to show my kids that, you know, we still get scared as, as adults and that the payoff for actually stepping out of our comfort zone is so incredible because then after I finished the talk, I felt this incredible sense of relief and then I was like, right, what's next? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you know, whereas a few hours before that, I was like, I'm never doing anything scary again. And this is rubbish. And I'll just stay at home and I'll just, you know, make courses where I don't have to put myself out there. <laughs> just, I was thinking of all the ways where I do not have to challenge myself. And then when I did it, I was like, okay, right, what are we doing now? What's next? What are we going to change the world with? And, you know, it was a powerful experience. And I know so many people will relate to this in many, whether that's a work presentation you do, whether it's going for a job, whether, I don't know, like whether it's giving birth, whether it's anything, it's, you know, asking us to step out of the safety of, you know, who we are sometimes to step into expansions huge and for me I guess my take-home of that experience was I felt such a sense of pride that no matter what happened I'd said yes to an opportunity and I did it and the second thing is just being able to be that vulnerable in front of my children and for them to witness that and just see the payoff for doing something scary was was really was really amazing. Mm. Oh, I so celebrate you now. I think that is so amazing, the whole process. And, and I really heard you as well around that, that piece around the, of the afterwards, like, w- w- what's next? That, that sense of having, having done that. And, and I think that's often the case, isn't it? When we do something that, that we're scared of and actually it, 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 we do it in ways perhaps we, you know, we might not have realized that we could do, or we're, you know, actually we're fine or we actually really enjoy it. And I imagine you re- actually also really enjoyed it. It actually builds the, that sense of, oh, I actually really can do this. And that's part of what then helps the fear drift away so that we can more and more be, be doing things that once upon a time would have been terrifying, aren't we? Because they go, we go, oh, well, I actually can do that and I'm going to do more. And then we, we build and build. And that's the whole learning a growing process isn't it mm. but we need to we need to do it but we need to have all the love and the support to, to be able to do it in a way that isn't terrifying it's not terrifying to do that's it and that, as you're talking i'm thinking about you know we're talking about practical things like you going to the dentist and, and me doing a talk but this applies to leaning into our own feelings and emotions which often we avoid which often we don't want to go into because it feels scary and uncomfortable yet the same principles apply that when we feel we have support and we have listening and we have a safe place that when we lean into the feelings and we feel them and then we let them go we go oh it's not that bad and you know we you know we're parenting I think we're asking people to do that all the time not just us as parents but for our children as well we're asking them every time we hold space for them to feel into what they're feeling and and process it and then let it go so we can move on or you know expand into something else and I think as adults because so many of our imprints around those feelings and emotions are around that it is not safe it's not okay let's try and avoid them at all costs you know that sometimes takes a lot of work and practice to lean into and to um, see the incredible growth that can happen when we actually do that. Mm. Yes. So much. Yes. Mm. And I, I love that you talked about the imprints, you know, I'm passionate about looking at the cultural, the bigger cultural perspective. And what I often see in, in our colonized culture is around learning is two, two general things. And, uh, in an aware parenting sense, I would see them as related to connection and choice. And I, the way I talk about that is love and will. So in, in terms of connection, we often in our culture, um, actually, I'm going to go to the choice bit. In the choice bit, we often in our culture uh, have this kind of coercive quality to, to doing things, whether it's a child or an adult. It's like a, it has this quality of I have to do it or you should do it or just do it. And it's like a, 
it has a quality of push and force and it's not really listening into to choice and autonomy and actually willingness to take that action there's often that kind of let's just quickly go through it and it's kind of like what you were saying at the beginning it's like you know it'll be fine just you know just go and do it quickly and the, the piece around connection or love is that often in our culture there isn't that the loving listening the support the 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 sense that we are held and supported and loved to express all the feelings and that we're you know we're not doing it on our own that we have support and love and I think often in that that does show up in our culture with children where children are often coerced into doing new things and kind of pushed without given their own kind of timing to to move in and to find their own willingness their desire their yes and often again without that the love and the support and the empathy and the compassion for if they feel scared or uh, you know that they are supported and that we're there supporting them so I think often what's so important is to really hold those two things in mind the things I hold in mind for my children and for myself is um, uh, is am I am I willing or am I coercing (laughs) and connecting with that willingness to, to take action and that choice. And am I feeling that loving support? So I think when, we, when we're with our children, I talk about loving encouragement, which to me is the love and the, and the will that we, rather than kind of pushing them in, like, like in the olden days, you remember like, I think I experienced this as a child as well, like the child's learning to swim or something would have been, you know, just pushing them in. And, and, and some of that old paradigm is that, it's just push them in and they'll learn which again, it can be terrifying, can be flooding for the, for the feelings and for the nervous system if we're being forced into something that we're actually, you know, we need to take time to feel into and to move into. And if we don't have that sense that we're supported and we're loved, you know, that can, that can mean that these learning experiences can be traumatizing and be scary, really scary. And then often children go away with these, these beliefs like, I can't do it or... Um, I'm not good enough, or this is too terrifying. I'm never going to do that again because there isn't that sense of having choice around doing something, and there isn't that sense of loving support. And I know when I work with adults, and particularly in terms of adults um, moving forward in an entrepreneurial sense, it's often when we go to do a thing in the here and now, like the TED Talk or doing a course or building a website, it's often those old hurts sharp around not getting to have choice and autonomy and not getting to have support and compassion. And that will often show up in internalized ways. So we may find that we coerce ourselves to take action. I have to do this. I have to go and do this website right now. I have to go and do this talk with, 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 without kind of connecting in with, do I want to do it? Am I willing? What do I need in order to be able to be willing? And without also that internal loving support. So often there's, you know, when I talk about the emotional sticks, there's often that judgment, you know, I should be able to do it or what's wrong with me and all that harsh internal, um, harsh, you know, lack of love. And what we can do again is, is change that inner dialogue so that we actually find this deep inner compassion for ourselves or we reach out to others. So what I see as adults is we have the opportunities to, kind of decolonize ourselves or to to change that imprint imprint that when we are wanting to move forward and to learn and grow in whatever way it is instead of those old paradigm ways of coercing ourselves and judging ourselves how would it be to connect in with our desire and work with our willingness how would it be to to be really loving with ourselves and to receive love for ourselves and i'd love to give a little example for this in my own journey which is um 
I've shared before, my children don't go to school. They haven't gone to school. They're 18 and 13. And I really see in them, they've missed out on, on internalizing a lot of that stuff. So I, no, I notice when they do new things, they're often quite happy to try new things and to keep, keep going. Even if they're not able to do it, they'll keep going and keep going. Whereas I notice myself, I'll often go more into some judgment or I'll give up more easily. And I've actually learned through observing them more about what that looks like and feels like. So I've, I've kind of um, stripped away or let go of some of that conditioning by observing their process. So my daughter, for example, learns, has been learning to play the piano for about a year and just, just on an app and, you know, she's playing Beethoven, all of this stuff. And um, just through observing her and observing that learning process, I'm now starting to learn using the same little app. And what I'm really realizing and noticing that is so different from myself now compared to how it was when I was growing up in that culture is that I do it from that place of willingness. So I don't ever coerce myself. It's like, oh, you know, I'd really like to sit down now and, and do some, you know, learn some more. Learning Careless Whisper by George Michael at the moment. And, and when I'm doing it, there's not an iota of judgment. I'm not like, I can't do this or I'm terrible at this, which is, which is all that internalized dialogue I had as a teenager, which stopped me doing all kinds of things that I really wanted to do. There's just this trust this deep, deep knowing that if we want to do something and we enjoy doing it, if we keep practicing it, we're going to get more competent. And I think, I know that's like, seems really obvious, but it's come to me in such a kind of clear um, flash. And I think it's the same for children. If a child wants to do something and they feel called to do it and they're willing to do it and we support them lovingly in doing that, it's kind of inevitable that they're going to get really competent at it. They just keep practicing. And I think something, you know, that, that strips away all that kind of judgment or doubt and just to go, I, I want to do this. I'm willing to do it. I'm being lovingly supported in it and I'm just going to keep practicing. And there's something about returning to that simplicity of the learning process that we I think we've really lost in this culture, which is really, I think we live in a culture that's really has so much judgment around learning. And I think about um, more Eastern cultures, perhaps with the idea of the beginner's mind and that there's actually beauty in the learning process is beautiful and actually not knowing how to do something is beautiful. And I think in this culture, we often have this judgment around not being able to do something or all about the learning process and actually getting to see that the learning process is uh, you know as we as we heal and we release that those old internalized harsh pieces that we can return to actually just enjoying learning new things so i'm i'm so enjoying that <laughs> oh i love all of that all of all of that and i, I t- a few things i i, I really well, just want to add to that one i think as you talk about the willingness to do something and um you said something to me really fantastic. Like I'm in still in the process of building my school. I still have to write policies and they are the most, oh, they're, they're challenging for me. I'm like a big picture kind of person. I am not one that's in the details yet. I'm having to write these seven and eight page policies for the school, which is part of what you have to do to become registered. And it's really challenging work for me because it's very dry and um, there's a lot of legal terminology and that's not my strong suit at all. I'm all about expression and feelings and all that stuff. And here I am like, yeah, it's just really quite challenging. And, um, you know, I was saying to you at one point, oh, I've got to go and write these these policies. And, and you said to me, well, what would you need to be willing to do at 
what's going to make it feel good and you're like do you need to have some beautiful chocolate with you and have a chai and you know create a really lovely space and all of a sudden I was like oh yeah I you know I was going to force myself to do it because I actually have to do it as part of the process but I was like but I can actually have I can create something around this to make it feel better. And I am just going to set myself that I only have to do an hour. That's all. Just do an hour and make it enjoyable and have music on that you like and do it in a comfy space. And then I did it with a lot of willingness and then actually kept going for a bit longer because it felt okay. So that willingness piece is really big. I mean, that's, you know, we can add that to that lens of mothering all the time because there's a lot of times that comes up in mothering where like, I am just, you know, I want to be looking after my kids. And, um, what do we need to move into that willingness sometimes of what we have to do? So it's a really good reminder. So I love that tip. Um, and the other thing just from listening to you talk about that, and again, you know, there's a lot in our school system and I hear the difference with what has happened with your children of not having that conditioning to you haven't got it right or getting punished if you don't get it right or trying in a different way does, I absolutely hear you in saying what that sets up for your children of just a willingness to give it a go and see what happens. And I mean, that's a big part of what I wanted to create at my school Woodline was really this this beautiful openness around we are all exploring. Everything is an exploration. Everything is just a, well, how did this one land? And what do we learn from that? And, and it's not a failure and it's not that we get it right. Everything is a possibility and opportunity for learning and growth. So let's see what comes up. And so part of me too, for so important for my teachers is I'm like, the children need to see you make mistakes. They need to see you stuff up. They need to see you talk about, Oh my God, I just learned something then from that. And this is what I've learned. They, we need to model that as much as, possible so they see how safe that is to do that as well because we don't often see that in our mainstream systems at all and then the other thing I just wanted to say was in listening to you talk all about that what I have found too is really and I, and I always often come back to this is this piece of trust of coming back to trusting when our children are trying new things and perhaps if it is scary that really trusting their timing around it so some children are just going to jump in there and do it and give it a go others are going to take a lot more time they have to sit on the edge of the pool and watch for a few lessons before it feels safe to get in or you might take your child to a dance class and they're going to sit on the side and watch you know for five lessons before they go right this actually feels okay for me now to do it others are going to get in there and they're going to be up the front and they want to be leading the class you know and I think we expect that all children should be racing in there, doing as they're told, leading the class, and that's what is normal. And I think if we see a child that's taking time, we still have this belief that that's not okay. And that can be a point of angst for some parents if they won't join in or why they're taking so long. And I think because there's, that, there's still that society pressure of this expectation of what children should be, and I think all children are different. And I, I like literally my son has always been a run in, jump in, do it. Like, you know, there's no questions asked. He's totally in there doing it. My middle child needs to completely suss out the situation, really just slow to warm to get in there. Um, once she's in there, she's like awesome. But often, you know, I remember paying for a whole term of dance classes and literally <laughs> we sat down and watched most of it. But that was okay because the next time when she was ready, she was like, I'm in there. And it was, that's what she needed and then I had to laugh that my third child whenever she had she wanted to do a new activity the prerequisite for her was she had to meet the teacher and have a conversation and really it's almost like my little one would have to look into the teacher's soul and go 
can I trust you? And are you going to connect with me? And if you don't, then you are not the right person for me. Like she would literally as a four-year-old go in and ask them these really interesting questions <laughs> because I was like, she's just scanning to see if you are a person or someone that's safe that I can do it with. And so a lot of, she'd be like, no, this, no, I don't like that teacher. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Cause I would really trust that she had, that was part of her being of really feeling the safety in what she was doing as she was learning and growing. She like she every year in the schooling, particularly in those first few years, she would say to me, part of the angst of starting in the next class was, I don't know this teacher. They don't know me. They don't, she would say, they don't know my soul. How do I know if I can connect with them? And I'd go, let's go and meet with them first on our own. And you can ask all the questions and you can feel them and see how that feels for you. And, and that's what we did. Um, and luckily she approved of the teachers. <laughs> it was okay. But I remember walking in thinking these teachers must be like, whoa, is this child? <laughs> but I was like, this is, this is so understandable. Like this really, uh, you know, her being her and I guess having such a strong sense of what connection looks like was like, if I'm going to spend time with you, I need to know that you can connect and see me. That's really important for me as a four-year-old. And I'm like, as it should be. Mm. I love that. And um, when I'm hearing you speak and I'm thinking about trusting our children and that each of their own journeys, and I think about, oh, in order to do that, we need to often slow down and, and connect in with them and what and observe them and, and connect in with what they might be needing around support. And I think often that's where our own histories may show up around how, how, what happened to us when we moved into doing new things. And I think often where that, that old those old hurts can shop around not being supported and being coerced. And that's where we might find ourselves either trying to coerce ourselves, uh, our children into doing something or not really listening to their feelings around that because we are doing what was done to us. So I think often that's the opportunity as we so often talk about to, to do some inner work and to get some listening time for ourselves to explore what's showing up for us and all those places where we didn't get to choose about doing things or perhaps we really wanted to do things and we didn't get to actually do the things that we wanted to do or, you know, we were judged around what we did. And often there are, there are so many, I think, cultural hurts as well around that for most of us. And, and that turns up with a lot of adults. I'm sure you see this, Marion, with a lot of the adults I work with, even though working around parenting, it's never about parenting. It's about all the elements, but so often what will turn up is places where perhaps they feel unhappy in their lives because they've always actually really wanted to follow a passion of singing or I've always wanted to do this, but it was really made clear to me when I was younger that that wasn't a good career path or that's what I would, shouldn't do or that's not what was going to be approved of. And, and you know, that need to um, have a attachment figure and to please our parents in order to stay safe is usually the thing that wins out. So that turns up for a lot of adults as well around not actually living who they really want to be on many levels because it wasn't safe for them to do that. Or as you say, it wasn't slow enough for the parent to tune in and go, Oh, where are you in this picture here? And what makes you, you, and I, I, that's something I always come back to. I say that in my workshops. The goal here is to do our work so we don't place that on our children's shoulders. So our children have the full capacity to be the fullness of who they are. 
Like it is all of that is welcome. Like, isn't that the most ultimate gift to give your child that they have a sense of knowing that all of them is welcome and that who they are is completely held in reverence, no matter what that looks like. Like that, you know, for me is the ultimate gift we could give our children because from there comes their ability to follow their passion and their heart and their intuition and all the things they love because they know that who they are is enough. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that starts even just right in day dot in infancy, isn't it? It's really observing our babies and their preferences, what they enjoy, watching our toddlers, what do they enjoy playing with, what hobbies does our child want to do, what do they what do they not want to do, and and listening and observing and letting them know that we trust their soul's calling and their journey, and that we're there to to support that unfolding. We're not there to make them be you know, the dancer that we weren't or the lawyer that our parents were, whatever it is, our journey is to help them be who they really are, isn't it? And that's 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 mm. that's our shared vision, isn't it, for yes. parenting? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, so good. Anything else you wanna offer around this, Marion? I just had a little memory sharp when you were talking earlier on and somehow I feel called to share it, which is I as you know, I'm very um, influenced by nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And I remember going to um, a nine day intensive with him when my daughter was two, so that's 16 years ago. And I really remember him saying, he talked a lot about school and, and supporting children. And I remember one of the things he said is um, he would say to children, uh, you know, what, what number did you get? Let's give an example, two plus two, and the child writes down five. And, and in, instead of any kind of sense of that's wrong or she should get four, they'd say, ah, well, um, I, got, I got a different number to that. Uh, would you like to hear what I got? Or I'm, and I'm really curious, how did you get to that? What did you do? So, and that's what I aim to do. And I'm a little bit obsessive around that. So <laughs> in the homeschooling journey, I would always be curious rather than saying, you know, that's wrong. I'd be like, would, even when they were doing spelling, I'd often say, you know, often people spell it a bit differently to that. Would you like me to tell you what that is? And I really trusted that, that, you know, sometimes they go, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. And other times they would go, yes. Or I'd say, and I get a different number to that. Would you like to hear what that is? Or how did you, you know, what did you do? Because for me, again, that, that was, it's all about the process and about understanding our children, what they understand and what they're learning. It's, the, it's not about some idea of right or wrong. It's about the deep connection and the learning process, which is so beautiful. And I think that's why when you're talking about art, it's like the artistic process, isn't it? That it's like it's, the journey is so important. Yes, the, the end point is great, but it's the journey and the process of feeling connected and enjoying what we're doing and feeling supported and all of those things that transforms learning and growing into something that's joyful and exciting and glorious rather than something that's like, oh my gosh, am I, am I going to get it wrong? So, you know, I'm not even going to try. That's so it. I, I just, I, I've always felt this. You win purely by saying yes and giving it a go. Like I felt like this about my TEDx talk. I was like, no matter what happens, I applied, I put my hand up, I went to the audition, I wrote it. Like I just, I put myself out there. If I had an opportunity to send a message to the world, what would I want to say? This is what I'd want to say, right? Which is a big thing to, to write around. And then I was like, so no matter where it goes, it doesn't matter because you said yes. You said yes to something that was out of your comfort zone and and from I absolutely believe no matter 
whatever you do, you always learn something from it. And it taught me such beautiful things, you know, and it was a gift, it was such a gift. And wherever so it goes to, it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter yeah. because it's just about, it was a beautiful opportunity to expand. And, you know, that's what we're here for. Yeah. So again, I think it is part of shifting the paradigm, isn't it? Away from that kind of shame based um, punishment coercion based culture to one that is deeply honoring of each human being and our own journeys and and supporting each unique being whether they're a a baby or a two-year-old or a 15 year old or a 57 year old that we get to be supported in Mm. following what we feel called to do and and Mm. and getting to enjoy that Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Have you got an offering, you know, just an invitation, Marion, that you would like to? Is this something you'd always love to do or perhaps something that you used to do when you were a teenager that you really loved to do or a child and you gave up and possibly because maybe a teacher told you that you couldn't do it or you're no good or you got five out of ten that actually secretly you'd really like to do again, whatever it is. And would you like to have do that again would you like to play with doing it again (laughs) I love that that's so good and mine's a bit similar mine would be my invitation would be what is it that feels scary for you that perhaps is something that's been bubbling around but you're thinking oh I can't do that or that's going to be too hard whether that's I don't know taking on a new project a new job it's starting something it's reaching out to someone what is it that sits there that feels a little bit scary that you could lean into as a possibility to to show or model to your beautiful children or those in your family about um, what it can be like to step out of that comfort zone and lean into possibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, we hope, yeah. We hope that that inspires you to go and jump in and do something, you know, that, um, that is just, that, that just makes you feel nervous and a bit scared and then exhilarated because you did it. Mm. Mm. I have a, I actually have a second invitation is what would you like to hold in mind whenever you notice that your child is doing something new? What would, uh, how, what would you like to hold in mind about how you would like to be in response and in relation to them around that? Oh, I love that. Yes. So good. Such a beautiful reminder. So beautiful. Oh, thank you everybody for being here. Uh, as always, we, we love all your comments and messages that you send us. We'd love for you to rate us um, on uh, for our podcast um, and leave us a review if you'd like and share it with all the people. We really, really do appreciate that. And um, we, we, as we're edging closer to nearly 100,000 downloads at the moment, Marion and I are so grateful. I'm talking on behalf of you, Marion, for all the beautiful people who listen and share it and send us messages. It's such a joy for us to do this. And it just feels an incredible privilege to have these conversations and, and have people listen. So thank you so much for being here. I also want to say as a PS, once Lael's TED Talk is out, come and watch it. Come and Google it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to say here's my note to what I've been told is that um, it, it's put up on YouTube. And um, if you watch it, which is awesome, but if you can like it, then the more likes you get, the more that it gets shared around the world and on the TED site. So um, if you watch it and you like it, I'd love if you can like it on um on youtube because then it can be shared more and more so thank you yes mm, yeah and i'm talking my ted talk is all around this stuff it's all around emotional awareness so yeah yeah mm. amazing that's so yummy mm. thank you for being here everybody ah so much love to you 
Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.